in my very best attempt with this idea of flattery being the highest form of praise. Hey, hey, what's shaking, Mark? (laughs) (laughs) What is shaking, That was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. Oh, my gosh. Now you're already going into this whole, like, recovering (laughs) church girl, like, like shame and regret type of thing. Do we want to go deep dive right from there? Well, of course we do, because first of all, that's what we do around here. But secondly, because that's what you and I do. So, like, that's just that's perfect. Of course. It's it's awesome, (laughs) awesome, awesome to see you um, and, and to always connect with you. Oh, I'm so grateful for you uh, showing up to this conversation for so many different reasons. One is because I've had the great pleasure of counting you as a friend for years, and I'm really excited to introduce everybody else to you um, that hasn't had that pleasure yet, but also because there's so many different layers to what you and I get to talk about. And everyone kind of teases me because I use the word layers <laughs> all the time when we talk about this kind of stuff, but I think it's the only thing that really uh, tells the story and gives the picture of the work that we do and, you know, peeling back all of these layers of identity or thought uh, to really get to the core of who we are and, and who we choose to be. But before we get into all of those things, because we've got a lot to work with here, with you being the founder of Joy Revolution, the host of the Golden Mike Live podcast, and your background in neuropsychology and a positive psychology coach, before we get there, take <laughs> me back to the beginning. Uh, what was your family like growing up? When you hear the idea of recovering church girls with a little asterisk of all genders and all faiths, what do you right. think of? How does that resonate for you? I mean, it was the very first thing that I, I was introduced to. I mean, uh, I think my, so. My, both of my parents came from from the Philippines, which is uh, a country that was um, uh, colonized by Spain, and and so it adopted a very hardcore uh, Catholic. Um, uh, culture um, and and it's really interesting because my mom comes from a part where Catholicism is almost like voodoo shamanism type of stuff, uh, and then my pop- pops is from uh, like a very like traditional part of of the Philippines where um, the Catholic Church uh, was it, it was in Latin you know just like everywhere else right um, so so we had these sort of two uh, different viewpoints of Catholicism, but also at the same time, uh, when they came to the United States and had my sister and I, one of the first things, um, actually it wasn't one of the first things simultaneously in terms of talking about, uh, the pride and the value set of being Filipino in America, um, was also the pride and the value set of being Catholic. Right. And so in many ways, even in my 40s right now, I, I, um, I I'll try to uh, pull things apart from each other and say, hey, was, was that Filipino or was that Catholic? And the two seem so intertwined around each other, you know. Um, so, for example, I remember being in a uh, in 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 a course in college and we were deconstructing uh, Filipino uh, culture after all of these colonizations, you know, um, colonization over colonization over colonization and uh you know i was talking about how filipino culture was 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 very uh, matriarchal 
mm-hmm. matriarchal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I I thought about it, and 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 we got into the, a debate with the class over the fact that um, maybe it wasn't Filipino culture at all that was uh, where that kind of praised the matriarch as much as it is Catholic culture. Okay, that's fascinating to me because we talk about this idea of, you know, again, referencing all the layers. Mm -hmm. And not only do you have layer after layer to work with, as you mentioned, for the different colonization pieces, but then on top of that, even within your family, you've got multiple layers of Catholicism and how those are being shown uh, and really inhabited in that experience. But then also, I'm so excited to talk to you about this specifically as the matriarchy versus the patriarchy, because this is one of the things that I've been wanting to dig into deeper in the idea of, you know, recovering church girls started with the idea of how has the patriarchy influenced organized religion, but you're coming at it from an, a, different perspective of in your experience, it was matriarchally driven. And so that in and of itself, I find fascinating. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always, uh, what, what rating is this show? Cause I'm getting passionate. Oh, go for it. it. We, we keep our little <laughs> E, we keep our E for explicit with pride. Let me tell you. Okay. So fuck yeah. Oh yeah. There um, you go. Cause I'm getting, I'm getting all warmed up here and I think it's really interesting. This dynamic, um, just from the Catholic church standpoint that, um, uh, you know, uh, father, son, Holy spirit, uh, only men can be, uh, sort of, uh, priests and, and, and move their way up. And, and, and nuns were almost like a, uh, you know, uh, a supporting cast, mm. um, uh, for that. And, and then you have, Sort of, it, especially in like uh, Filipino culture, uh, Mexican culture, which, which had a huge influence on the Philippines. Um, they they were actually annexed, or the Philippines was uh, actually um, run by Mexico for a while. When Spain was like, "Yeah, we conquered them. Now Mexico, you go and run them." Right, um, and so uh, sort of our Our Lady of Guadalupe, you know, uh, from Mexico. You know, the way that we adore the mother. Um, it, it seems to be very prevalent through the culture. Um, but also at the same time, there's this sort of, uh, schism there mm. where it's like when you actually pr- practice, the only fucking people that can practice are the, are, are, are the, uh, are, are, are the, are the male priests, you know? Um, and, and so I always thought that was an interesting dynamic towards right. things because like the way that Catholicism was practiced in the house was very much around the idea of, of, of matriarchy, uh, the idea of the relationship between the baby Jesus and his mother um, and Mary. Uh, and then you go to church and you see some white dude um, <laughs> on a stage um, talking down to us at an angle. And like the, uh, the people who are like, elevated are sort of the the men within the church right right right. um so uh i I thought that was really i thought that was a really interesting thing um and uh you know it was something that i started to push back towards uh you know as i started growing older um you know i i i do think that um there was a point where i i would call myself a devout catholic and 
um, by by devout Catholic, uh, I, I would say that I I lived in a lot of fear uh. of repercussions of of going to going to hell. Um, uh, that God could read my mind, that I was <laughs> insignificant, uh. um, unless I accepted Him fully, Him fully. Right. You know. Um, and and I, I think one of the things that started to uh, to dislodge that was going into uh, sort of higher education and. Uh, becoming a little bit more critical of things um, in terms of like, well, what what does this mean? How was this established? What was the context in which this came forward? Um, and uh, it, it came full full circle when I was in a PhD program where I would look at the cross and I was like, hey, I've been speaking to a piece of fucking wood um, <laughs> s- standing up, sitting down whenever they wanted. Um, uh, to something that is maybe a little bit more corrupt than I thought. Um, I thought back to what some of the most traumatizing things that had happened to me. They were around, um, I wouldn't say that it was the idea of Jesus that hurt me, but it was around people who were like fanatical Catholics. And, uh, I I remember being in third grade and, and, to to uh, to get us to comply with pro life, they showed us an, a real life abortion. Oh my goodness! Right, and I remember kids puking and stuff like that. Um, uh. You know, I, I remember this idea of of uh, you know Jesus being compassionate and stuff like that. But I'm like, if Jesus is compassionate, why is everyone like who serves in the church a fucking asshole? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, but did you have that kind of uh, first of all? Were you allowed to use that verbiage at third grade? Um, and did you no. have the wherewithal to kind of see all the pieces together? I'm sure that you felt the dissonance. And the reason I'm asking is because I've had the exact same experience as so many of us have this idea of something doesn't fit right, but we didn't have the space to be able to say that out loud, much less to be able to have a conversation with someone that could help us work through the dissonance. So in some way, shape, or form, so many of us have internalized that from a very, very young age. And it's only, as you mentioned, this idea of getting older and wiser and starting to take a more critical eye to things, then we can then start to dismantle the belief system and then choose what to build after the fact. So how did that play out for you specifically? Did you, did you find that? Like in third grade or when I was like in my PhD program? Well, (laughs) I'm, I'm interested first in the third grade mark, because I think, you know, that version of you obviously not only informed the, the guy that wanted to go pursue the PhD, but also you mentioned this idea of the traumas that we experienced. And I yeah. am 100% convinced that so many of us have endured and experienced trauma at the hands of organized religion, that there's an entire society that wants to say, oh, that didn't happen, or it was for your own good. You know, if we saved you from eternal damnation, then any cost is worthy of that that task. Oh, fuck um, that! Fuck that! <laughs> right? That, that, that whole like eternal this, damnation. Yeah, get thing. to that. I want to hear. I want to hear what that was like for you in that moment. <laughs> in that moment, I was scared shitless that I would. Hmm. I would be. Um, I, I. 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 You know, my folks would go to heaven, and then I would be literally on fire for eternity. Hmm. Um, getting 
getting a pitchfork uh, stuck in my back, you know, um, and and it, it was it was such something that was kind of the norm for me that like I, I remember the first time <laughs> I remember the first time that uh, someone taught me the uh, to shoot the middle finger and what that meant. Right. And I actually it, this was in third grade. I actually went into my room. I locked the door. And the first thing I did was I shot the middle finger to the devil. I pointed wow. it to the ground. Like that's how that's, that's how awesome. much I was like, like, do you see God? Do you see what I'm doing? Like, I'm your soldier, God, right? Right. Um, oh, just even and, the idea of of soldier. Like, what an interesting word choice because there was always yeah. this idea of the culture wars that were going on. So, in so many ways, I feel like our faith was weaponized. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the thing is, is um, just straight organizational culture, the way that you can uh, create a certain amount of sense of belonging is by creating an us versus them scenario. Right. And and so, like, who's more right? Who's more who's 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 pious uh, Mm -hmm. about things? Right. And and. I, you know, I definitely looked down, uh, down on uh, other religions. I, I thought, I thought of them as primitive. Um, but that's also very fucked up because <laughs> I saw that the United States looked down on the Philippines as a primitive mm. place. And so that's where things would start getting crosswired. And like, I, I would, I would come home and I, it, it's almost like I would feel bullied in terms of, uh, talking about like, more primitive um, uh, societies that, uh, you know, uh, don't have their belief system down like we Catholics do. Um, and I was like, well, you know, so you're, you're telling me that if Spain didn't uh, come and, and essentially rape and pillage the Philippines and, to, and then name it in, in, uh, in, in uh, Philip's King Philip's, uh, name and and introduce catholicism that i would be fucked okay so sidebar i was today years old when i found out why philippines has its name <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i did not know that um and and i apologize i will be the first to say i am woefully undereducated on so much of our world's history um yeah. and i think a lot of that has to do with the the nationalism that is woven into, woven into uh, Christian religious, yeah. you know, experience. Um, but no, I, I didn't know that. But that really that adds a whole new dimension to the idea of the integration, like you were mentioning earlier, in the very fabric of your existence, where you have not only the two different versions of Catholicism, but then all these other religious and political layers to your very identity and how that shapes the the culture of the nation as well as you specifically within your family of origin. Absolutely. And and so I had a lot of uh I'm sure that I am not the first person on um on your podcast saying that I grew up with a lot of shame and guilt. Uh no, I'd say that's a yeah. pretty universal experience for us. <laughs> right. And, and so I think the thing is 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 oftentimes um uh the the um you know the child or 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 the child in the context of the society will take it on themselves 
and be like, oh, my gosh, like I, you know, this was all my fault or I've uh. done I brought this on to myself, you know. And, and, and so uh, there was a certain embarrassment um, for a while, not for a while, for a long period of time to be Filipino uh, in a Catholic um, institution, you know. And, uh. and I remember the way that my mom practiced stuff was like, oh, Jesus doesn't want us to go to bed with our hair wet. I'm like, why? And they're like, because it's bad luck. And I'm like, whoa, that's like, <laughs> that's a different kind of Catholicism than I know. Um, but also with the and, and but because of that, because of the way that I was taught in um, westernized formal Catholic school, I would then go back and say, well, that is a primitive form of Catholicism, huh. which which was more along the lines of what if. Uh, it, now this there was a lot of hocus pocus there, but also at the same time, what if this was a much more integrated way of the Filipinos taking uh, this sort of, uh, I guess what we would call universal law nowadays? Um, uh, and and wet hair is not universal law, by the way. That's that's just <laughs> a hocus pocus. But like you know things like universal law, and then transcribing it to. Um, uh, to to Catholicism, and and you know I don't know if th- then I started going into uh, looking at the way that um, Filipinos practiced Catholicism during Easter, and I'm sure you've seen this in in other nations, but folks will literally flog themselves huh. and and crucify themselves and and go through the the whole crucifixion process. And yeah, that's the part. That's the part of the Philippines that my mom is is, is from, and um, I don't know. I still don't know if that's crazy craziness, um, or if if that's like a, in a true homage to the concept of of what this Jesus character had had gone through. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, so like there were all these things where where I was. You know, I would come back and I'd be like, well, I guess my my Filipino Catholicism isn't as primitive as you white people's Catholicism <laughs> because you'd never take a nail in the hand in your hand uh. for anyone, you know, and that started to turn into um, resentment and anger starting to go as I started to go into um, uh, as I started to go into college, you know, uh-huh. uh, and I wanted to be around other Filipinos uh, and Catholics. And the thing was, was that we wanted to celebrate Catholicism and um, being Filipino together. We wanted that idea of community, right? Uh, and then things started breaking down. It, we, we started to become uh, uh, gossip mongers huh. uh, at the donut table. I don't know if you ever had that, but there'd be like these little factions after church that would just gossip. Huh. Uh, for a long period of time and I'm like man we have not we, we are repeating certain things that are like so like just because we we leave the walls of the church then we suddenly get to start acting like uh, assholes right. <laughs> towards each other right right yeah no I, I think that I, I've all, often wondered about the culture and I can't say that this is a specifically religious thing, and yet I see it more in religion, sometimes in our lovely entrepreneurship world, <laughs> but more Absolutely. often, uh, you know, I see it in religious cultures and, and religious experiences where it's this idea of the unattainable value system 
that yeah, then becomes this, it's kind of like the Pinterest, it, it, you know, the, the cross section between Pinterest and Instagram of these are the lives that we're supposed to be leading. Therefore, any chink in the armor of, you know, any humanity that is seen is then further dug into and exposed as being bad, not as being human, but as being bad and immoral and unspiritual. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it sets up for a lot of suppression. Mm. It sets up for a lot of judgment around emotions, right? And, and for example, the, the other day I was having a conversation with my son who, who, um, um, to talk about the difference between anger and then what happens if you take action or, or anger takes over you, you know? And, and, and uh, he said, well, anger is bad. And I'm like, no, anger is not bad. You know, I'm like, oh, it's Catholic school all over again. <laughs> like, look at look at Jesus, man. He was throwing tables around, man. I'm that dude was not that dude was not 24 seven like uh, like enlightened. He was going through a human experience like the rest of us. And and when when he saw uh you know people selling uh pimping out their products uh, in, in 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 the temple he was throwing shit right he was furious you know um he was scared um uh, uh, uh before when he when he got betrayed you know um so I you know I I think we've we've been taught of of this 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 notion of um. Uh, and I think it's seeped into positive psychology that like, uh, you know, this, the, there's this idea of compassion and joy. And then you are not allowed space for emotions like anger or to be upset mm. or to feel lonely. And if you feel lonely, then you need to come to the church even more. Right. If you feel angry, you have to come to the church even more. We will resolve that for you. Uh. And and to me, what it does is that it does create this archetype that's unattainable. And you have you have to almost um, give your power away to something else or someone else um, in order to fully be enlightened. And I don't think just. This is an I statement. I don't think you can fully be enlightened if you're giving your power away. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit more because I think okay. the idea of the the tos toxic positivity, it's a relatively <laughs> new term and we're seeing it a lot right now as it relates to being in, in what might be the middle, <laughs> might just be the late beginning of yeah. uh, our quarantine situation with coronavirus. So you're seeing, you know, like, yeah. I, I hope it's the middle. I hope maybe it's, it's past the middle, but you know, we just don't know yet. But this idea of, you know, when you hear the phrase toxic positivity, how does that land with you? Because you know, the science behind all of this, you've seen all of it, both the negative and the positive side, and also coming back to that idea of our personal power, unpack yeah. all that for me. Now? <laughs> well, okay, so maybe not all of it in, you know, that might take us a little bit more time. But but how does that land for you, especially given our backgrounds, but also yeah. the moment of reality that we're in right now? It, it lands really well. I, I think the thing um, – I'm not exactly sure uh, what – uh, the Merriam-Webster term for toxic positivity <laughs> is right now, um, but I, I'm guessing that it's something that's being used around the 
uh, around the current uh, like media and stuff like that. Yeah, like the that- the virtual water cooler, if you will. Um, but okay. The idea being that kind of to your point specifically as it relates to denying emotions saying yes. that all yeah. all negative emotions are bad therefore we must always be positive and to me i i kind of look at it as this idea of again it it harkens back to this uh flawed value system that we're supposed to be 100% happy all the time uh and it just kind of takes our humanity out of the equation yeah, I, I I totally understand you there. Um, so th- the uh, there's a great positive psychologist named um, Tal Ben Shahar who I, I think um, addressed this really well a few years ago. Um, uh, I, I was in a class with him, and and he had said, uh, f- for those of you who who think that uh, the goal is to be happy twenty four seven, um. Those who reach that goal or feel like they actually are happy 24-7 um, are one of two things. Number one is you're dead. Mm. And number two is you're a psychopath. <laughs> That's concerning. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, you know, and, and and part of the reason is that w- we are built w- – chemicals are released for us to feel scared. You know, if you're – if 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 uh, if you're feeling scared at a time like this, you know, um, maybe it's because there's certain threats and stressors to things that you um, you always thought would always be there. Hmm. And now those things are coming crumbling down. A person has the right to feel scared. They have a right sometimes to be angry and sometimes uh, like dudes like Gandhi could be in joy and also be upset at the same time. Um, there's a lot of pl- places for, for us to uh, kind of have multiple emotions going on at once. So you can be in joy, stand in your power, not give it away, um, and also at the same time be unhappy with the way that the current world situation is and want to change it. And that's sort of the the premise behind the, the joy revolution is instead of uh, you know trying to create change in anger, because all that's going to do is create angry spaces. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why don't we create them in joy, but also be able to understand the sophistication of our emotions enough to understand that, like, yeah, we can have certain things going through. We can be in joy, and we can be grieving. Mm. You know, which is something that that's very real right now. Right. You know, I'm. I'm celebrating the life of my dad and also at the same time, like he's having hallucinations and, mm. and I, I'll sit with him and, you know, I'll, I'll have a good old cry like I did last night, you know, um, uh, or, or, or we can, you know, it, it's I think there's a lot of things that I, I didn't see the church and I'm not going to blame the church, but I, I didn't see the church as um, empowering in terms of giving me. The kind of space to understand how sophisticated it, it all is, mm. right? Um, and and because of that, when I started feeling angry, um, I'd also feel guilty. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's 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 you know, um, it, honestly, if we if 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 we were to probably know 
uh, Jesus, if you know, if he truly existed, and we're wearing a, a wristband that says, "What would Jesus do?" <laughs> Jesus would scream and curse. Yeah. Right. Like he, he would. He would. He showed his human side. He wasn't a psychopath. Or the character that's portrayed in the, you know, the, the character that we all see is portray, portrayed as him is, is not a, a psychopath, you know? And, and so, you know, when I became an angry uh, Filipino, like I also noticed um, wh- when I was going to church in, in anger that um, it became more of a show being at church huh. than anything else. Uh, I would go to church and that's the place when they played my hymn, I would start to cry and let it out. Right. Mm. Um, and, and it is true. Like if there would be things that were well, um, that, that were, that I was storing, but I saved the tears for church. Right. Right. Because yeah, that's no, I totally get that. You know, and it was a performance that I put on. Right. Look how pious I am. The angry Asian, you know, um, uh, but look how pious I am. And as I became uh, a little bit more, I, I, as I became a more aware of what I was doing, it, it really started disinte- to disintegrate um, two, two times. Um, number one is going into a PhD program and going in and feeling really hopeless and looking at that, that cross and saying, um, you're a piece of wood. You're a piece of wood. You, I, they got me. They got mm. me to sit, stand, kneel, um, eat bread. Uh, um, and I know that they're talking shit about me, just like I'm talking about shit about them across the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. this is not a community. This is a bunch of sheeple. Mm. And I refuse to be a part of it. I thought I was better than it. I thought I was better than it. Um, and then uh, I think one of the things that kind of helped move me start start moving me back was this idea that um, uh, I, I went to New York for uh, a summer and I practiced Reiki, Reiki healing mm. with the hands, right? Yeah. And I remember like I remember being like I'm going to hell for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I also remember. Staying open-minded, I remember um, I, I, I started to clean up what I was eating and putting into my body, um, and literally uh, I started to feel as if I could mm. heal with my hands. I I could feel it, and yeah. and then there was a point where I thought I was losing it, and I could start to see it, like see the auras around people. Um, they started to show me things like. Um, uh, the sign of the what the sign of the cross meant energetically, hmm. and I was like, I remember having goosebumps and saying, "Wow, the not the doctrine, but what the church was trying to do was totally pure." But like, after ages and ages and ages, and some organizational development, and some power, and some. Um, ways of interpreting things. Um, we took this advanced technology and we kind of fucked it up because we don't, we didn't, it, it was just so pure that we didn't know what to do with it. Huh. Um, and, and so in many ways, I see uh, uh, Jesus or e- even more than Jesus, Christ consciousness 
being um, something along the lines of like, hey, whether this whether Jesus was real or not, um, there are always these stories of people who could heal with their hands. Um, and then I started to see some things when I was a um, well, I still am a people pleaser, but like moving away from people pleasing. I remember there's this um, verse in the Bible where Jesus was like, "Yo, don't don't share your your pearls with the swine, dumbasses." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, he's talking about psycho uh, psychological defenses and emotional defenses from predators." Mm. Um, and it's and especially empaths and stuff like that. And, and, um, it, it's, you know, it's, I, I must admit, I, I, I don't know if I'm going from a place of, um, being in recovery as much as, as I, I've, um, I, I, I've been moving towards a place where it's like discovery hmm. and integration and truth finding um, and some, sometimes things don't sit well, um, right. but also at the same time, it's so much easier for me to, uh, look at, uh, the church now, and especially during times like these to look at the church and be like, I can see this being a place for multiple people to find solace and hope and uh and community and i also think that um the opportunity that that we have right now with this social distance um is one to understand that social distance doesn't mean emotional or spiritual distance uh-huh. we can still be very emotionally connected and spiritually we can be even more connected by um I, I, you know, I think that some of the, uh, what is it, the 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 cabin fever that people are getting, is rightly so, and also also at the same time, could be a little bit of discomfort with what all churches or spirit wants us to do, and that sit with ourselves. Mm. I and love this. Can, I, yeah. I, I love the idea of, first of all, the integration. I think that that's such an important piece. And I think that there's, there's so much to be had in the and. And that's what yeah. I hear, you know, kind of comes back through time and time again is this idea of embracing the duality and accepting the idea that there is good to be had and there is a call for something of a higher level. Yes, I love it. I love it. Um, uh, that is the piece that I think um, uh, had me not look at pe- people as sheeple mm. um, was this this idea of discernment. And, uh, you know, if we are all on a spiritual journey, then um, there's a certain discernment that goes on. If, if, if someone is depending on brick and mortar and uh, – you you know uh, a structure of every seven days doing this and 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 Wednesday Bible studies and stuff like that. That is cool. And also at the same time, discernment is a big deal to to say, well, what is it that I'm missing here in terms of the work that I have to do? 
because I'm coming on Saturdays and Sundays and I'm participating on Wednesdays. And, you know, that's more than than everyone else can be saying right now. I'm 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 you know what I'm doing all these things. Yeah. But doing all these things doesn't necessarily mean you're taking a, a nice little hike between your head, your heart and your gut to figure out. What is it that you believe in that's greater than yourself? Mm. Yeah, I love that idea of the the verse that's coming to mind is the idea of faith without works is dead. And, mm. you know, so often we've gotten in the habit of doing the works as far as showing up when the doors are open without yep. embodying the faith. And I yep. wonder this idea of kind of this this space in between all these different pieces. You mentioned earlier the importance of maintaining our own power. And sometimes I think for many of us, it's reclaiming that power. It's, it's understanding that we have the spirituality within us and being able to, you know, kind of see that, accept it, embrace that without the baggage that went along with it from our, our individual, you know, programming when we were young. But then also at the same time, what does that look like on a practical front? So for you, when you Mm -hmm. mentioned this idea of, you know, the work that you were doing in the PhD program to really start to dismantle and, and in one shape kind of deconstruct things, but then on the flip side of the process, and I would say this is kind of where it hits into that recovering thing where it's just always going to be going on. (laughs) Um, But just this idea of rebuilding and redefining. And when I think of redefining, I'm also thinking of the the word refine, you know, this constant evolution that is happening that we get to determine within ourselves who it is that we are going to be in this moment. What are we going to choose to focus on? How are we going to show up in conversation with our families? You know, all these different pieces that there's so much more power that we have innately that we often ascribe somewhere else. So what what was that like for you when it comes to identifying the power that is innately you? And how did you start to reclaim that in your own life? Well, it's, I think it, first started off in the PhD program in which it's both empowering um, and disempowering, just like church. <laughs> uh, any, any organized anything is empowering and disempowering and indoctrinating and, you know, y- you know, getting you to, to move forward society in a way that people wanted it, uh, wanted their legacy to be moved forward. Right. So like um, uh, it's, you know, when I started to see some um, uh, some some pieces where I was like, "Whoa, hold on!" Like uh, PhD programs do the same thing as churches, where you know, like uh, we have to ascribe to a certain set of values, and this is our foundation. And I'm like, "Man, th- this is all the same stuff now." This is, <laughs> you know, it's almost like we want to compartmentalize and be different um, for the sake of being different. Um, there was a certain point, uh, yeah, there was a certain point in which once I, it, it, I, I wish it was nice and flowery and it wasn't, it, it was really angry. It was angry at structures and systems and, and I wanted to, sh- I wanted to bring them down. 
um, I, I, I wanted anarchy, right? Um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's come full circle <laughs> now. I wouldn't say it's come full circle, but um, there, there was a piece that I was missing. I wanted anarchy so that people would have personal agency. Mm. But the thing. Okay, hold the, on, hold on. We got to yeah. just sit and like soak in that for a second because I resonate so fully with this idea of that's where so much of the rub that I experience, that's where it comes down to is that idea of, again, where is the and? Where mm-hmm. can we find the and where we can have personal agency and we can work together collaboratively? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think that was the first part was I thought that in order to get personal agency, you had to destroy anything systematic or organizational. Um, you had to destroy the idea of, of, of egotistical, um, legacy, uh, movements, you know, and, and I, I, I don't think I ascribe to that, um, anymore. I, I, I did find this amazing, um, this amazing, uh, ecological, uh, model that really changed things for me. And I, I had the opportunity to, to talk about it, uh, in a, um, in this video that I just did for speakers who dare. And, and the, the model was called panarchy. And the thing is, is that, um, everything in the entire universe will, um, start out in a good place and the more and more you add rigidity and practice to it, whether it be a city, whether it be a forest where it used to be all, you know, fertile soil. And then all of a sudden there's a bunch of rigid trees competing in there for, for, for light. Um, when it becomes too rigid, the system collapses. And I also think that happens with any kind of place that's taking the goodness of the truth the amazingness of the truth and then starts to add some rigidity to it let's add some walls and let's disagree with them let's um uh let's instill some practices so that organizationally you're making uh uh you're making some sort of emotional or financial donation to keep you coming back. Mm. Um, and it's not just because of emotional and finance. You're getting your needs met as well by, by going into that. Um, but there will be a collapse at one point when the system becomes too rigid. So the thing was, was I was trying to force anarchy and collapse when it's just going to happen Look at what's happening to the world right now. Right. We didn't have to start anything. Like, it, it was just going to do that. But one of the things that happens af- in panarchy is that the collapse, after the collapse, there is a return to the fertile soil again. There's a return to the goodness. And there's a choice there. And that's that stage is called the remembrance and remembrance is one of two things. You can choose to rebuild it in the exact same way or you can go in a t- completely transformational route. And um, I think a lot of uh, things in society right now get to choose transformational routes, hopefully, um, including churches and the way that we look at things. And so there's a remembrance there. And for me, 
when I saw inner collapses going on, like when it became too rigid about my own Catholic and Filipino practices, it collapsed. And that's why I became angry. But it came back to a place where it was very fertile again. Hmm. And the remembrance that I felt wasn't necessarily a remembrance of being indoctrinated um, to be Filipino-American or indoctrinated to be Catholic, but a place where I remember what it was like to be a kid and be in complete and total awe of the world. Hmm. To uh, To be talking to another person like you, Tanya... And just be in complete and utter just raw selves, mm. right? Yeah. Without any kind of pretense, with any, without any kind of, um, without any kind of worry, um, being able to play with ideas versus if you do one thing, that's good. You're going to heaven. If you do another thing. That's bad, mm. you know, um, but in terms of playing with ideas and being critical and, and asking, what does this mean? What does this mean for you? And, and, and having uh, controversy or yes, uh, 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 conversations with civility. That's a church to me. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's like the idea tr- of just when you were saying that earlier, I'm like, this is community to me. This is the yeah. idea of seeing and being willing to be seen. And we don't need the building and the structure and the construct to have this kind of spiritual intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that, that uh, you really hit hit the nail on for me that I went through multiple years of therapy for this baby um, was, was this idea of personal agency and then uh, community you know, um, and, and and so the question that I that I always had for myself in therapy, and I still sometimes have, is um, how can I how can I stand out in the world without without have to apologizing to my collective? Uh. And to me, that's a little bit about what church means: is that everybody is in their full agency. Lifting each other up, um, whether it be over the on a podcast, over a phone, you, you know, um, in 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 a group, um, but everyone, it's 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 an and. Everyone is in full agency, and everyone wants to see everybody stepping it up as a leader yeah. because everyone is being brought up. Um, and and it was hard for me because I always thought that in order t- for me to step it in as a leader i'd have to dye my hair bright red and tear shit down um and disavow the the community Hmm. i always felt like i needed to apologize to the community and then when i was in the community i always felt on the inside that i was nothing but a poser and a follower who gave away my power and was just um an army ant i didn't feel seen at all and so I feel like there's a third space that we can look into uh, in which it's both. You are, you are both stepping forward as an individual and the community appreciates you for that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. What, what did that look like for you in practice as you mm-hmm. began to kind of reunify 
and bring all the pieces of yourself back together again and to really embrace and accept who you are at the core, what did that look like on the outside? Would we have seen that happening in the moment? Um, I, it looked, it would, it depended. It depended, uh, on, on what, uh, kind of epoch in my, in my personal journey I was on. Um, there would be, uh, there would be months where I was in, um, seclusion. Hmm. I was a hermit and I was trying to use books and, and to acquire knowledge to figure out, figure that out now that I wanted that. Right. Um, there, uh, the reason I went into positive psychology was uh, was that I think that there's a way that we can bridge um, uh, some of these things that are 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 truths, not just uh, observable truths like science, but like these these kind of universal truths that we can never really explain because it's just too freaking magnanimous for us to, to <laughs> understand right and uh you know i saw um positive psychology as the beginning of that mm. um let's mark stop looking at what's wrong with everybody and wanting to tear it down first look at what's right and then you can build bridges that way right yeah um but one of the things was and, and so i really became um somebody who and still am is a a big time proponent of positive psychology, and positive psychology ends where spirituality begins. Hmm. Okay. Tell me more. Positive psychology looks at what's going right in the world. Right. It also uses empirical data. So every time that it uses empirical data, there's proof. Spirituality doesn't need proof. Mm. It's just a knowing. It's faithing. It's 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 more than just the mind. It's uh, again, it's the heart and the gut, and it's it's it, it's 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 knowing. Uh, and I think a lot of positive psychology is knowledge. Mm. I love that distinction between knowledge and knowing. Yeah. And and so I too, I think the two go really hand in hand, and for me, um, you know, a lot of people on on podcasts uh, had started calling me out, being like, "You're kind of spiritual, dude." And I was like, "No, I'm, not. I'm a positive <laughs> psychologist, you assholes." And um, and the thing was was that I I wanted to make a return to uh, there would as much as I, I I lived in fear and stuff like that, I still remember. These hymns, right? Um, Blessed are they, dun dun dun, and I just remember being like, "Oh my God, that is so true!" Like I love mm. it, you know. And that there was there was all this goodness and stuff, and, and and I I almost forgot about that, and I always yearned to have that feeling of, um, you know, singing that with with other people, and 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 really feeling that I'm 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 completely accepted and seen you know and uh you know as a filipino who (laughs) like always never felt truly accepted and seen um and you know and you know other things you know i I always felt like i was a a sort of a a black sheep that that stuck out like a sore thumb and 
there were times in in in, in mass um, where it was it, it it would all blur. You could feel it. You could feel the community in it. You know, um, and and so I want. I think I wanted to return to that, and I just didn't want to call it church or mass or a religion, but like, hey. Like the the same the same kind of doctrine I, I disavow in uh, Catholicism is doctrine that I prescribe to in positive psychology. Huh. So it's all the it's all the same kind of thing. And so once you you kind of get to a certain level, there's something more. There's uh. something more. There's something more, and that something more are um, some of the things that I know that there's more of, I felt when I was a kid. Yeah. When I wasn't overly critical about the history of the church and, hey, why is this 30 years missing in the Bible? (laughs) (laughs) You know, where Jesus went to Tibet, you know, and and he studied universal law and Reiki. Um, That's awesome. uh, But like, when I was not critical like that, I could feel these senses of community where race didn't matter and and stuff like that. And now that I'm a, 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 now that I'm at, I, I, I I wouldn't say that I've been woke, but now that I've seen the pattern, I, I I disavow one doctrine and adopt another doctrine. I really want to make sure that uh, I do what Christ consciousness wanted, and that's. Um, to really be critical, to discern, like you were talking about, um, about, uh, you know, what this whole, what all of this is about Mm. right now, you know, um, I, I I can't believe this. So I'm not, I'm I'm not truly into the idea of coincidences and, and we just had one of the most, um, Unique Easter's come uh. and go, and everyone, you know, everyone has been talking about like sort of, hey, you know, we've been talking about those mysteries of 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 the universe, the mysteries of the cross, all this type of stuff. I think that it's really, really interesting that we had the opportunity to think about the mysteries of the cross in in solitude. Uh. Because those mysteries of the cross, to me, have been these uh, nice laid plans for all humans that if you can address that, either in solitude, working with others, whatever, that's going to move you towards whatever this enlightenment is. Um, And sometimes it will take you being outside of a church, questioning a church being in solitude and and suddenly that solitude isn't the loneliness that you thought and you're not getting stir crazy anymore because you realize you have so much more to uncover inside of you you know uh and i think this is a this has just been a great time for us to be able to look at things and be like yo what what did <laughs> what did that what did that resurrection re- really mean hmm. you know um, and, and and is that really something that on a deeper level we go through on a di- on a daily basis? We have ego deaths, right? And then from that ego death, something resurrects again. 
and we have multiple ego deaths over our lifetimes. And I don't think, again, I don't think that it's any coincidence that multiple um, uh, religions outside of Christianity celebrate the ego death in different ways. Right. Well, and and again, what I hear that again, is is a consistent theme that is right underneath the surface here is still this idea of agency and yeah. the the personal not only right but also responsibility and opportunity to be able to say for me myself right here right now in this moment this is what I choose or this is how you know I want to show up or you know fill in the blank but just this idea of that moment, is relevant across the board. And I think sometimes it's very easy to fall into our past programming of the fear and the guilt and the shame and say that this is what I should do or this is what I, you know, air quote, have to. Yes. But then to be able to, to pause and to say, is that true? Is that really true in this yeah. moment? Or is there more agency here that I can reclaim than what I've done in the past? And, and to do that without shame and without guilt for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that in and of itself can be such a beautiful moment, but it doesn't mean it's an easy one. I mean, like, we've got a lot of programming we got to work through. Always we have a lot of programming to work through. I totally agree. I, I, I think that's really poignant the way that you put that and and i'm thinking about standing in 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 my power and and anyone including a god or a deity or a consciousness or a field or a universal law (laughs) whatever 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 we may call it anyone that is against a human being empowering themselves and having choice and agency over their own life is an oppressor. And I don't believe that God or the universe is anything except for benevolent. Hmm. Well, and this would take us down an entirely different rabbit hole, but just the idea (laughs) of, you know, if we look at the creation of humanity, and if we go back to the the biblical text and the idea that this was kind of the the original design, we were designed to have choice and to have free will. So, you know, again, if if that's a philosophy, if that's a doctrine, if that's a dogma that that you ascribe to, then to act as if that free will or that agency is no longer applicable to me, that's a really big warning flag, red blaring siren type moment of, of really needing to examine what's underneath all the different layers and what's motivating that kind of fear or control or oppression. Right. And, and, and we might impress it onto, um, something that cannot be impressed onto, like something as large as the concept of, 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 of God or, 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 you know, um, those sort of things. Um, when it really is like other humans that have screwed it up for us, right? you know, my teacher who interpreted interpretations of interpretations of interpretations of interpretations, <laughs> you know, who, who said something off, off, off color and a little bit racist when I was in third grade. Hmm. Right. But the thing is, is that 
she's a human. She's not, you know, you know, she, she's, she, she's not, she, she's not what, um, she's, she's not representative of this, uh, higher form. And yet I also believe that this idea of free will is what is that God exists in all of us. Mm. When we practice the free will, when we practice agency, that, that is, that is, people, I'm, I'm just going to say it. We are God. I love it. I'm like sitting over here grinning. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are God. And, and we are all the ultimate co-creators of, of a life. And, and I remember, um, you know, being younger and saying, um, dear Jesus, bring me a girlfriend. <laughs> right. And like, I, I remember, I remember do, doing things like that. I was making negotiations with God and asking him for things so I could be more pious. Right. I promise I'll bring her to church, you know, like, <laughs> Stuff like that, but that that is absolutely that is absolutely having no agency, playing the victim, right, and not going out and and creating, and and I I think one of the the coolest things is when people see how much freedom and uh, uh, amazement and and and. Uh, childlike wonderment they can experience throughout their whole life when they take that agency onto themselves. Um, also at the same time, we are gods. And I also think that there, there are, whether it's electromagnetic responses in my body or there's angels or whatever it is. I, uh, I don't share this very often, but like, I remember being in my, deepest of depressions during uh my phd program it was my birthday i uh i had a paper due the next day uh it was a meaningless paper i hated my phd program um i i i didn't have a choice i had to be in it uh my my partner at the time um i told her to go out and celebrate with all my friends and throw a party on my behalf while i write my paper and i <laughs> and I remember being in, I remember being in this house on my birthday, sh- strewn with books, papers, post-it notes. You know my style, Tanya. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's 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 all over the place. And I sat down, and I was like, "Fucking amen." And I was like, "I can't believe I'm gonna do this because I don't believe in your ass." But I was like, "God, if." You exist. If ever a time in my life, I just need a sign. Like, please, I am so lonely. I so don't know my path. I don't know where I'm going. And I'm giving up all of this stuff so three people can read a paper tomorrow. Please. Like, it, it, it was, I, I think it might have been surrender. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I felt a bolt of lightning shoot from my toes to my head. Mm. And I felt as if there was a whole 
I was surrounded by love and a bunch of people laughing at me being like, dumbass, we've been here the whole time, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, and, and so it's not just that we are, we are God. There are things larger than ourselves. Mm. That's all I got to say. I don't know what it is because all I am isn't like, I forgot who said it, but like, I, I all, all I am is an ant underneath a bridge trying to explain cars that I can't see that are driving on the bridge. <laughs> it's that out of what I can explain. And that's when I, I stopped moving away from like, oh, if you can't explain it, then it's not real. Uh. Um, and, you know, uh, it's it, 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 it's also the the idea that I am God and. I am, and there's also something larger than myself um, that has my back. I love it. I and love so, it. so where from where do you go from here? What is what is your spiritual practice look like now? Yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting. Um, I, I think it's one of of I think it's one of a, a lot of appreciation towards things, and again, mm. discernment, right? Um, uh, you know, I'm in a place where, where, uh, you know, I think on another podcast, I, I talked about it, you know, I came back to, uh, my parents' house, good Filipino boy, they're on the decline, they're on the decline and there's some caretaking going on here from my end. Um, and what it looked like yesterday was five o'clock in the morning, um, waking up. Uh, sitting with my mom, uh, uh, sitting with my dad, and we watched the Pope give a service. Uh, and it was an empty cathedral, and I was like, this is probably the most Catholic I've felt in a long time. Huh. You know? And and in terms of the practice, um, um, I think the great thing that... Um, being in a Catholic church uh, in which I I saw certain things early on that traumatized people, um, uh, traumatized me, gives me the opportunity to stop that, to stop that kind of um, uh, that oppression in in my own practice as a positive psychologist or as a dad. Um, I, I think the ability to be God and in church is not one that you can really take your slippers off and then put them <laughs> back on. It's it's one that, that you, I can think of in this very moment. What is it that I can do, um, to, uh, you know, show compassion, what, and compassion to myself. Mm. Uh, what's, what can I do? What does the future look like? Um, and, and to talk to you who I know is a great, planner and to say in all honesty i don't know what it looks like to be honest i don't know what it looks like i know that it's going to continue to evolve i know that um speaking to people about what their experiences are like with god um uh want just wanting to know the truth more um has really uncovered uh an appreciation for a lot of things things that i used to think we're magic, Reiki, you know, I'm like, well, I think there's a little more science to that. And then because there's science to that, it's leading me to a path that 
Okay, maybe those glowing hands that Jesus has and the 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 rays go, coming out of his heart are are things he was trying to tell us uh. a long time ago, and it's getting translated on these stained glass windows. But it has been people did the best that they could to interpret something that was absolute genius and and was pure, and they it, uh, look at reporters now they. Uh, 80% of reporters, I think Neil uh, DeGrasse Tyson said that, like, get uh-huh. the story get the story wrong, even the best ones. And so there's a certain lens that we all have as human beings that we interpret the world through. And um, I know what my practice is, is how can I remove those lenses? Because those lenses are judgments that I make on people. And um, as I remove those lenses, I... I'm, I, I hope that I'll be more exposed to the truth. Uh, and I guess what the final thing is, is every time I feel like I'm exposed to the truth and this is it, I got it, I'm enlightened, I've escaped the cave, I realize that I've escaped the cave and I'm in another cave, right. a bigger cave now. <laughs> right? And so even though it's shedding of, even though it's the shedding of layers, it's also the shedding of layers equals increased perspective so the cave just gets bigger Hmm. and the and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and and, um instead of wanting to know what's outside of the infinity the infinite caves i think what my practice looks like is exactly that is practice is how can this almost be like a game in which i um I, i i look into the dark areas of uh of myself and, and, and society and places where I judge and realize, oh, that's the next step to getting out of this cave. Mm. Yeah. And um, what, what, what's amazing is that um, it's amazing. It's amazing that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else is out there. I, I, it's amazing, though. I love that because I hear in you – in your voice in that moment, the the wonderment of the third grade mark that we talked about earlier and just that idea yeah. of, you know, an innocence and an excitement and a gratitude and just that wonderment. I think that that's such a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Tanya, I'm going to, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to break the fourth wall because <laughs> I, I absolutely do. Uh, like I've loved doing all these like pieces um, or these uh, vignettes with you over the years. Like we've done some good ones. Uh, I feel like this is a good one, mm. but also at the same time, I'm thinking of a time when we were both, I think it was in Philip Philadelphia or Jersey. Um, and I remember I got really close minded around you. And I said something uh, around your speeches, and I don't know if you picked up on it or not. Um, and you know, it, that's how. Like, essentially, I became very close-minded about you and what you're capable of doing. And that, to me, is a litmus test that, like, okay, I'm not going in the right direction when I'm completely, uh, like, questioning 
Tanya, you're, you're, you're out of the box. You're thinking this, you're, you're, you know, and I'm like, no, that's what the churches want me to do. Or that's what some of the indoctrinating bodies want me to do. And so what it looks like in practice is like literally just having these conversations and then we'd be in Philadelphia and then I'd say something. And then later on being like, that was really ignorant. And so if you didn't pick up on that conversation, um, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit sad that I did that to one of my, my best friends. And also at the same time, I'm glad that I get to come full circle and, and see that as an opportunity for me when I fell out of being God uh-huh. and not seeing the awe and not being amazed by things. Um, so I appreciate uh, you just being able to bring me back here. I just, I so appreciate our friendship and your willingness uh, to engage like on the full level. And I have to tell you, I don't have anything in my memory that is saying, oh yeah, here's where you really hurt me, Uh, you know, with that kind of, uh, you know, idea. Like I, I don't remember (laughs) (laughs) in a, a place where you were anything but supportive And yet at the same time, what a beautiful gift you've just given me to, to be human and to be humble and to practice the humility of saying, you know, I, I tried to limit in some way, shape or form. And I'm sorry for that. And I'm just so grateful because I think that so often I do that to myself and I don't ever come back to that idea of acceptance and recognizing that moment as an indicator kind of thing about a dashboard. <laughs> like that's my warning yeah, light yeah. that I need to, you know, kind of realign myself. Um, so just what a beautiful gift that was. Thank you. Oh, th- you're welcome. And, and I think um, just the really what the practice looks like to me is it's kind of the same Mark goofball type of guy, but, also at the same and also at the same time, um, the the outward appearance hasn't changed, but sort of the inward intention has, uh. you know, and so to really scour myself of those moments where I'm trying to pull people back in the cave and I'm making fun of a, an oppressive God, uh. you know, like here I am coming on making fun of an oppressive God. And then all of a sudden I'm trying to pull people back into caves of ignorance. Nah. I've got work to do. Hmm. And we all do. And I think that's the, that's the joy in this is the idea that we have individual work to do and it doesn't mean we have to do it in isolation. So you can't do my work, but you can hold space for me when I fall down on the job on my side. Absolutely. And I think that that is one of the, the greatest gifts that we can give each other in community. And again, like for me, this is church right here. Like it's that <laughs> space of, yeah, I, I'm ah, so much, so much. Um, okay, so clearly <laughs> we're going to have to come back for another episode because I would love to talk to you specifically around the ideas of victimhood. Because I think there is so much that takes place, and even to that end, tacking on martyrdom. You were talking earlier about the idea of the matriarchy. And I think one of the reasons why it's so powerful in 
being used in the patriarchal system is because it's also tied to martyrdom. Uh, yes. So it still benefits yes. the patriarchy. But anyway, that's just a teaser. Oh, I got I just got to say one thing. I got to say one thing. <laughs> one thing, cannot, and then we've got to save it for the next episode. <laughs> you cannot tease me. I just this will be the tease for the next episode. Exactly. How about that? Exactly. There's a verse called "The meek shall inherit the earth," right? Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, I used to think it was it meant that those of us who martyr ourselves will be the ones who mm. will be saved. And what I really have found out is that translation over translation over translation, meek as we know it, is not um, uh, being a people pleaser who lets people walk all over them. Jesus said it too. Don't let people walk all over you. Don't let the don't don't let the swine take your pearls. And one of the the things that I saw was that meek means. Um, or, or that that I, I saw in a translation was that meek actually means someone who is in full power, who doesn't use that power to slay, judge, um, oppress others. They are benevolent kings and mm. benevolent queens, just like God. They are God when they're powerful, but just not using their power to slay. That's like talk about the perfect closing the circle, coming back to the idea of embracing our power and reclaiming it for good mm. as opposed to perpetuating a narrative of evil. Right. That's amazing. Okay, that's it though. Like I'm cutting you off. We the, the, cutting you off. I know we just we actually at the time of of our taping now, um, I was just on your podcast recently, and we went for what was it like two freaking hours, which is it amazing. Was amazing. Yeah, it was it was really intense. You got stuff out of me that I've never said out loud. Um, but yeah, I'm just to wrap it all up as much as I can, only because I know if we keep talking, we're doomed, and it's just going to keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. We will be back again with Mark because clearly we've got a lot more to talk about. (laughs) So for (laughs) everybody who has been along on this journey, uh, thank you so much. And if this episode resonates with you, share it with somebody else that you can have this level of conversation with and use it as a a door opener. Uh, Because really, you know, we are truly in this together. And it's that kind of moment of being vulnerable, being willing to be seen and setting aside those expectations or those judgments that we might have of each other or of ourselves and being willing to be seen. So thank you for that, that gift mark in this. And thank you all of you guys for being along for the journey here. And here we just keep going. Take care.